0: Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 97, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. Today, we revisit the experimental school created by LeBron James. Is it working? And what happens when students have a say in the school budget? Stay with us. Mist is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week we'll tell you how a teacher is building tiny houses for the homeless with the students. Hello everybody Nick Ortingo here and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire Lissa Pruitt. Lisa, how are you doing?
1: I am great.
0: It is um we just got through that Game of Thrones season, from that, or premiere. Did you yes. see it? Yeah. It was good, right?
1: Yeah, it was. I don't know why. I mean, it was good. Well, I mean, am I not supposed to talk about it? I don't want to spoil it. For yeah, anybody. you don't want to spoil it. But, but yeah.
0: we, I would give the show, the episode, a thumbs up. It was what I call a setup up episode. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But I, I It found nice it, to
1: see old, familiar friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Um Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, <laughs> someone may still have it t recorded, whatever, waiting to watch it on their HBO Now account. Um, are you laughing at TiVo as a mm-hmm. verb?
1: I am. It's <laughs> a thing.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, jump into the teacher's lounge. I know we've got some, some good stuff today.
1: Yeah. Did, okay. Did you hear about LeBron James? I promise. school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, so we talked about this about a year ago, maybe. Oh yeah. Maybe, but
1: maybe? no, they just had test results come out. Right. So, so this, is the, this is a follow up. This is like the proof in the pudding at this uh, point, which is early. It's early still, but they've had some testing, um, scores and, you know, kind of measurements done and released to show that they are moving in a forward direction. So we're going to talk about that a little more. The sample size is 240 students, third and fourth graders.
0: All right. So you've read this article. I've I've seen the headline. I have not read the article. It's New York Times. And I guess before I start, when you read it, did you get the impression that this is LeBron Love? And there's like a a slant or a skew to the person who's writing this or was this, did this seem like an article that like somebody like genuinely looked at the data?
1: Oh yeah, no, they definitely quote data and I'll spit it, I'll spit it for you too. Spit it, let's hear it. So no, I mean, yeah, it's a very positive, this is a huge positive thing that LeBron James has done. And he says, this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. That's what he says. That's a big statement. Um, And you know, I was talking to some teachers the other day. They didn't understand the difference about the I Promise School is that it is a public school. Right. It is not a charter school. Right. It's a public school funded by the district. But he, you know, throws an extra goodness. I think it's like 600000 into it okay. to pay for extra teachers and after school programs and extra programs to piggyback on to so just it, you know a major donation and I remember they
0: did some like unique things like they they were trying to help parents find jobs and st- like they were trying to right, change the whole family they have a
1: family center thing. that is in operation during the school day while the children are there um, and have after school hours also where they teach parents um, tutor them to get their GED they have a barber shop that opens up quarterly to cut everybody's hair in That's the family cool. um, they have health services legal services all through the family center um so yeah that part's huge the after school stuff is huge they extended their day an hour different than the other schools in the district okay to try to help with you know keeping an eye on the kids while parents are at work um and extra tutoring and things um you know they're very the they've they have this whole school mentality of we are family, you know, they' they're very much, you know, we're we're in this together kind of thing. Um,
0: so what were the results you got me? Yes.
1: Yeah. So okay, we'll talk about the sample sizes, 240 students, third and fourth graders. Um, and this is just their first wave of testing. The testing was done. Um, it's the measurements of academics progress assessment done by the NWEA. Um, so whereas the third and fourth graders in reading used to be in the lowest percentile, mm-hmm. um, they are now in the ninth percentile for third grade. For fourth grade reading, they are now in the 18th percentile. So it's important to say that this is early, you know. Right. Um, but they used to be in the low, like, you know, zero. Okay. So so they, they've shown huge growth. And in math, third graders... Now in the 18th percentile, and the fourth graders in the 30th percentile. But okay. overall, that's a 99th percent growth from where these students were before. Wow! But you know, to even be able to go to this school, you had to be a behavior problem, or you okay. had to be a low performer. So they weren't handpicking the no, no, the high no, achievers. no. They they wanted this children that nobody else felt that they could handle. Wow! Um, so you had to have. You know some issues. Basically, you either had to have some language barriers, um, some behavioral issues, um, and of course, be a low pro- performer. Wow! Um, so they have out of ninety nine out of a hundred percent growth of any school nationwide. Wow! So they had a higher growth rate than ninety nine out of a hundred schools nationwide. Wow! this I promise school has a higher growth rate on these test scores. That's uh, huge. And that's, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of times in schools. That's what they measure. Nick is like, okay. So, cause if you have super, super bright children, you know, they, they want to measure the growth. Well, mm. great. Don't say, Oh, they're doing great. They're already reading on a third grade level when you're in third grade. No, no, no. We want to see you grow that child. So right. they had, one of the highest growth rates in the nation.
0: We've talked about this on the show. We've seen Mark Zuckerberg and, and Bill Gates and not to squash their their attempts to improve schools, but we talk about how they throw lots of money at schools and sometimes you don't see a lot of results. Did they kind of dive into this a little bit in the story? Um, did they talk about, you know, this is more than just money? Did you see anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they do. They talk about where the money is being spent. Um, they have a lot of, mental um, health personnel on yeah. campus. So they're trying to change the way these children view life in general because these children are coming from some tough situations. So a lot of what they are doing sometime some throughout the day is with behavioral specialists. So, you know, like my school, we have one behavioral specialist. Right. And we have like 700 kids. Right. Do you so, find
0: that that person's taxed?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And I mean, I think anybody would agree that public schools and private schools, any institution is going to have to move more towards focusing on mental health, Mm -hmm. even at younger ages to where they have the skills that they need. So um, one of the things I thought was cool was in the lobby, they have like I think it's like a hundred pairs of shoes of LeBron James's shoes. Nice. That line the like hallway. his actual like his big actual shoes. like he wore even like the one even the one where he moves. won some you know some big moments and they're labeled. But his whole point is he wants them to know that he used to walk in their shoes, like yeah. that he really you know one year he missed like ninety days of school. Um, wow. You know he had a really you know, tough situation and was up against a lot. um, And he's, that's why he's giving back is he doesn't want, he didn't give up on himself, Mm. but he did feel that a lot of people gave up on him. Right. So he, he wants to, to make that not the case with this younger generation. And he says, and the teachers say, we're saving a generation. That's what, that's the way they view it.
0: Right. Any talk of expansion yet at this point, or are they still just kind of focused on?
1: Yeah, actually they did just, um, there was like a vacant district school that they went ahead and started, um, work. I think it just maybe just opened, but they're opening up a a new school that could serve more kids, um, in this vacant district building to be able to serve, I think like K through six.
0: Uh, You've got like a whole clipboard there full of notes. (laughs) Is there any other takeaways that that we need to know about or I'm not asking about?
1: Okay, so something else that was really cool is that all students in this program, if they meet the academic requirements, they will have a fully funded scholarship to the University of Akron.
0: That is awesome. I've got a story that is in line a little bit with, you know, I think whole student and getting students involved. And it's about um, New York City. And they become the second school district, district district-wide, to introduce where students participate in the budget. They actually give each school a piece of the budget, and then the students, like, have a committee where they get to say, we want to spend it on X or Y or Z.
1: Wow. I mean, really, a lot of schools don't even give the teachers (laughs) the opportunity to, you (laughs) know, have input. I just had to fill out a survey. Um, our school district does a parent survey and a teacher survey. And one of the questions is, do you feel like you have input in where dollars are spent? And I mean, every time I was like, disagree, (laughs) like, no, like we don't. (laughs) Well,
0: and so that's just it. Like, imagine how empowered you would feel if you could have some say in a slice of the budget. Like, I don't know what a budget is at a school. Um, 10 million, 20 million. I I I have no idea. Russ knows. Yeah, right. (laughs) But no, I mean, I'm sure.
1: And I know it's so hard. I do know it's so hard. But yeah, I do wish I had a little bit of a say. Maybe it's it's like 2
0: million. I don't know. But what they're doing here is they're giving, as this test, each school is allowing the students to to say where $2,000 goes. So it's not huge. It's not like, you know, it's not going to impact the outcome of the district. I mean, $2,000 is a, a nice laptop. Right. Um, So basically you're empowering these students to say, well, we want it for X or Y. So one example in this article is the student's um, were making the case they wanted a greenhouse they wanted to and make it like a science lab essentially in the sense of growing stuff um, and then actually like trying to contribute some of those stuff they're growing to their community and so yeah. forth i mean that's really smart that's clever and, it, and it's great to see them come up with that idea and in the district didn't have to give up that much on a school by school basis but it's not just the idea of of them having buy-in they're also doing it just in the sense of like a, a civic lesson, um, you know, just so because that's the way kind of the world works. And, and that's really the goal. I mean, what do you think of this?
1: I think that's so cool. And I'm sure it's a bit of a Kickstarter, too, because if they say they want this greenhouse and this district says, OK, well, spend your dollars wisely. We can only give you $2,000. they are going to find ways to maximize that 2000 but also they're going to find other ways and investors and donations to make it what they want and they're all going to take better care of it because they all help build it from the ground up.
0: This is true. Um, Now, I have to give credit where it's due a few years ago. Apparently, Phoenix um, did this in their district, like Uh district-wide, where they allowed this to happen. Um, But as you kind of dive into the article, they talk about how um, they would like to see that number come up a little bit, more than 2000 And I think they even point out one school, a handful of schools have been given the chance to spend more this year, students at Park Slope's John Jay Educational Campus, where four schools and a suspension site share a space, voted on how to allocate half a million dollars. Um, what they did was they decided to um, take 400000 of the half a million and put it on bathroom renovations, and then another 100000 went to uh, water fountains. But it allows you to know what's important. Like, these kids are tired of, you Basty know. Nasty
1: bathrooms. Right. And I mean, they I can, all use it.
0: I can remember. <laughs> I was in a... I grew up in a wealthy district, uh, school district up in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., and our bathrooms were horrible. Like, they were a mess. Like, were, the do- doors were falling off. And... There's
1: none horrible than the middle school where my child attends. <laughs> really? There's a- Are you sure you want to go there? There's a freestanding stall. Like, a what, what is it? A throne. A, a, a throne. A, a that... toilet. Okay. Okay? Like, the throne, the toilet. Yeah. With no walls? In the middle of the room.
0: No, like they in no, the middle also, of the room. Does anyone use it?
1: Yeah, it's like a dare. They dare. <laughs> it's terrible.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Do you know if your son's done that?
1: I don't think he has, but I do hear the play-by-play of the stories of who has and who hasn't. Right. right.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, but this is interesting. I like it. I like the idea of students. And, and I guess really the dist- districts have to ask themselves, like, if we're spending $2,000 to teach kids a civic lesson – is that bad? And I think the answer is no. Like that's no. great. That's a good investment. Um, yeah. Even if even if they pick something horrible that you never use or falls apart in a year, they still got the lesson for two thousand dollars, and that's really not that bad in terms of money spent.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there are some limitations. Like, hey, if you're going to bring in livestock, you yeah, know, yeah, you've I'm got sure to make a, sure that you, you know, yeah. can sustain it. You know, so we want a
0: cow. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're probably right. There are some limitations there. Are you ready for the uh, bright idea? Yes. We are talking to a gentleman who is building a tiny house or tiny houses for the homeless with his students.
1: Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is building a tiny house for the homeless with his students. Joe Romano is an architecture and design teacher at the Annie Wright Upper School in Tacoma, Washington, and he and his students have designed and are currently constructing a tiny home that will ultimately head to Seattle to offer shelter for those experiencing homelessness. Joe, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, Nick. It's an honor to be here. Uh, What an
0: experience for your students. I mean, first, I got to ask you, where did you come up with this idea?
2: Uh, you know, uh, on two levels, this this is a this is a process that's being done with with students um, in several communities on the West Coast. Uh, I was really inspired by the work of Sawhorse Revolution, which is an organization up in Seattle who does design build with teens, um, sometimes as after school programs, but sometimes as collaborations with high schools in the Seattle area. And so I reached out to them last year uh, because I was so excited about their work. And they gave me some guidance. They gave me some insight. They gave me some funding for the first project, the oh, first house wow. that we built. Yeah. Um, and so that group um, is the group that has like been really inspirational and, and really helpful like, launching it here at EniRite.
0: Right. So if you're listening carefully, you have already done this once, I guess, last year and you're doing it again this year. Have you learned from your mistakes from last year?
2: Oh, it is such a, a different experience this year. Um, You know, I have, I personally have some experience um, with construction, you know, building fences, building decks in my backyard. I've never seen a house from, I guess, a pile of lumber all the way into a built structure. So for for myself, like, it's just like so different um, getting the supply chain tuned in and then just getting the pedagogy dialed in and to make the, the experience as useful for my students. Uh, it's just... A dramatic difference. It was a great experience last year. It's even a better experience this year.
0: And you just said something that that I think we really need to to do a deep dive on. You said getting the pedagogy sure. right. This is more than just building a house. Let's walk through the steps. Like first, I guess you you do you start with a discussion about homelessness, or do you start with a discussion about architecture? Like how does that begin with your students?
2: Sure. Yeah. The the course that I teach is architecture and design. Uh, so this isn't the first project we do in the semester. We do like an introduction to the design and design thinking. Um, We participate in an event called Parking Day, where we take a a parking spot in Tacoma uh, along with the community and we turn it into a little parklet. Uh, So we go through the process of human centered design. So they're fairly familiar with that. Uh, Then we transfer that skill set into the space of building a tiny home for people experiencing homelessness. So we'll do some work around uh, the factors and the experience of homelessness in order to inform perhaps design decisions that we make, but also understanding about why we're tackling this project. So we go through this whole design process that is involves some of the you know, factors of homelessness, but also some of the factors of like house design uh, and the various, uh, I guess, considerations we need to put in in terms of space. We draft uh, a house on paper. We transfer that into SketchUp. And then we go through a process of getting feedback from professional architects, refining the design, uh, visiting the site where the house might end up, interviewing residents before we take a small break through the winter and then hit the ground running to build the house in the spring, which we're currently undergoing right now.
0: And you said you you draw it by hand and then you put it in, I'm sorry, you said SketchUp or SketchUp?
2: SketchUp. It's a a 3D uh, design software that helps visualize designs in scale.
0: And is this what architects typically use or...?
2: Um, it's, I think some architects use it, uh, for certain, uh, for certain build processes and for certain firms. Um, it's not the necessarily the, um, I guess the premium, uh, version, but it's something that actually anyone can download and use, which makes it fantastic for my students who may not go into architecture, but may want to do a home project or may want to, uh, design something in their dorm rooms or in their rooms at home that can just totally use SketchUp for the rest of their lives there's a free version. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why we choose it. And, and so
0: at this point in the lesson, the students aren't actually, you know, swinging a hammer, uh, at this point, but, but they are, you know, designing the home and, and they're, they're, like you said, they're learning about spaces and this is a tiny space. And are you building these with the idea that maybe, um, a mom and a child who are struggling might be living in this at some point, like where you have to have multiple beds, like what, what's your thought process?
2: yeah so the kids they go through this process where they're they're in the community they're seeing seeing various examples of houses and they're starting to understand that like you can't necessarily design for everyone that you have to kind of like choose a particular uh, profile of a person that you want to design for uh, for the past two iterations of this project uh, students have chosen to design for uh, multiple residents so the two houses that we have designed they've had uh, a loft space for a child or to stay in and they kind of like go through the decision process well if there is no one sleeping up in that loft space at least it can be used for storage because a person is putting their life's belongings into this house so we have that loft space which can be opted into a a sleeping space or it can be opted to uh, a storage space and then we always have a bed on the main floor Uh, i think this year we have a queen size bed in a house that's no bigger than nine by thirteen
0: And so when when you are listening to your students kind of learn about what they're doing, when they're they're thinking out loud, so to speak, I mean, are you ever shocked by what they're saying? Or do you think they appreciate the lesson that, that they're learning there when they're building this for what could be a family that's struggling?
2: Absolutely. They they get the gravity of it. Uh, They get the gravity of of moving from our school environment, going to one of the Nicholsville communities, the the communities of people experiencing homelessness that are having tiny houses built in them. They see the difference between their everyday lives and the lives uh, of the people in those communities, and they understand the impact that they can have. Uh, You know, it's one of those things in school kids do a lot of important work. Um, This is a project where that important work is going to change someone's life. And so they totally see that, uh, especially during the design process. During the build process, you know, things are kind of hectic. We're in a parking lot, we're putting a house together, we're learning new skills. Um, And so we're constantly like revisiting the meaningfulness of the work that we're doing. Uh, But they, they totally get it. And it's awesome to see.
0: And so, all right, you, now you've got your design, I guess, is the next step. I mean, materials and start building this thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we take a parking lot in school. Uh, we turn it into a, a pop-up wood shop uh, every afternoon or I guess every, every other afternoon. And we're out there um, in teams of four. So I have 16 students. So we have four teams of four. And each team is working on a different element of the project.
0: And so what's that like for them? I mean, have these kids you know, swung a hammer before, or is this starting from scratch for most of them?
2: Uh, some of them have, some of them haven't, some of them done have done work with hammers, but not necessarily table saws uh, or miter saws. So, you know, the first day on the ground, it's just a quick tool introduction just for safety. And then we put challenges to them and they're really learning to master those, t- those tools as they tackle the challenges, as they realize they need to frame a wall with studs that are this height. Um, then they have to go back to that uh, that miter saw and make that cut and think about how to like dial that line in and make it straight and make it perfect. sometimes they they don't um, and then they learn about that process because they go back and put together that wall and things aren't aligned and they need to redo that work um, but they're they're learning um, at the at the pace of doing the work
0: at, at what age group are we talking about here grade wise is it a range uh
2: yeah they're ninth graders ninth graders
0: okay so it would myself and, and our listeners be surprised by how much they do to get this house constructed i mean are are you having to help a lot or are you are they just kind of throwing corners together and, and figuring it out
2: They're, they're doing, they're doing, uh, 80, 90% of the work. Some days I'm just fetching tools for them. They're like, well, we need this to do this uh, part of the project. And I'm like, oh, I'll go get it for you. Uh, so so, sometimes I'm really jealous of the work they get to do because I don't get to work on the house all that much. We do a contract with a master carpenter, uh, my, my good friend, um, and, uh, collaborator Carl Stromvel. He, uh, does some of the work on the house. Helps students cobble together maybe the rafters uh, of the roof. Uh, But they're really doing like 80-90% of that work. I mean, and that's got to be rewarding for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every every day I am proud of them and I want to celebrate their accomplishments. Even I want to to celebrate their, their, their struggles. And, you know, we get to a point where they might make a mistake and we have to decide not necessarily that they have to redo the mistake, but do we want to push that small defect into the future and have to make different decisions uh, and modifications later on, which may be harder, but maybe easier than pulling something apart? Or do we just want to redo the work, which might be harder because we have to pull it apart? And they make all those decisions. And all of that, Like even those mistakes are really powerful for me to facilitate with them um, because they get to make those calls. Uh,
0: From start to finish, well, let's say from start to finish on the construction phase, I mean, how much time do you have into getting a house... Build.
2: Yeah, so we, um, for the construction, we put about 100 hours into it. Uh, I'm part of a, a new program here at e. right Schools. We just launched our Ennurite Upper School for Boys. And so in that, we've been able to craft a schedule, a, a yearly calendar that makes space for four all-day builds in addition to our usual class meeting times. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for my colleagues um, and my, my supervisors. Uh, for providing that space because it really helps make the house happen,
0: I mean, do you find other people in the school want to get involved in this? Is like your principal want to come out and help while while they're doing this?
2: Like uh, I, get, I get I get emails from my colleagues uh, all the time. like i've never I've never um, been able to work on a project like this. I want to learn these skills. When can I come out and help? Uh, and so if we're ever behind schedule uh, from where we need to be when the house ships on, I think June tenth. Uh, we'll call together uh, colleagues um, friends and they'll come down on a, on a Saturday and we'll we'll push it forward just a little bit so yeah certainly like it's you know the site is noisy it's echoing through the school community they can hear the work they can see the work we have kindergartners coming down to visit the house because they're studying houses in their class and so they get to knock a few hammers in so I love it that it's a it's a community Um, effort that people cheer us on and people want to help out
0: i read that in june you guys will gather around the build site and and each of you will have a chance to kind of sit in the house and write uh, a reflection about the project um is that right like this is more of is this a journaling assignment as well or is this just one time where you're writing about it
2: oh absolutely so one of the ways that uh i assess my students work is I ask them to assemble a portfolio throughout this whole process. And so they take pictures of elements of the project they had impact on. Um, They write reflections about how they work on teams. Uh, They write reflections just about the skills they're learning and what's challenging about actually building a house. And then they'll write um, a final reflection when they're sitting in the house. Uh, about the total project. Uh, so they'll have the opportunity to sit there, uh, and kind of like think about what we did together.
0: Uh, have you ever read anything from a student that just
2: kind of really like hit you right in the heart? Some of them, you know, I, I never know how much they value, uh, the meaningfulness of the work we're doing, um, except from these portfolio reflections. And so to hear them talk about how they're so excited to have this house be lived in, how they're so excited to see the impact of that work. I think that has always been, um, really heartwarming for me. Um, and really something to celebrate with the whole group when we gather together and I kind of give like summary of what people are thinking, um, to the students. So I love hearing that. I love hearing, uh, the work that they've done to think through how they operate on a team and how they're like motivating each other uh, to perform different tasks on this job. So all of those reflections are just like amazing for me. To it, come across.
0: And when you guys went to go visit the site where, where I guess this home that you're building now was going to go, was was the home you built the year before there at that same site?
2: Um, actually, it was, in, it was in a different community. So we didn't get to see that one. Um, but we surely looked at various pictures and design elements of that. So we didn't get to see it lived in, but we got to see other... Um, tiny homes built for people experiencing homelessness by groups like Star Revolution there. Um, And I think that really had an impact on the kids.
0: So if somebody's listening, they're like, this is a great idea. I want to do this. Like, what's the lesson? Where should they get started? How hard is this to pull off?
2: Yeah, so it's um, you know that first year it's it's really tricky uh, to pull off, especially if you're someone like me who doesn't have a lot of experience um, in the construction aspects of things. But I think that like there are a bunch of people who are willing to support. I'm willing to support and help you know provide spreadsheets for the supply list that we, for what we needed to build the home. Um, contractors around Tacoma and uh, in, in my community have been offering support in terms of like guidance, but also just materials um, and. And funding for this, so there are a lot of different networks um, that you can pull together to help make this happen. Um, so, any listener who wants to go forward with this project, feel free to reach out for me. I'm so excited about this work um, that I'm willing to to help from afar, and, uh, make it happen. Yeah. And
0: Joe, what's a what's a great way to get in touch with you? Are you Twitter or email
2: or what? Yeah, so my Twitter account is at Romano Forty Seven. Uh, so you're welcome to, to direct message me or, or tweet at me. Uh, my um, email address is romano47 at gmail.com. So feel free to send along an email.
0: And, and would you recommend that, say somebody's not a, an architecture teacher, but they're, say, a shop teacher um, or, or just, you know, just a, an aggressive teacher who wants to do this, but they don't want to do the architect side of things? Like, is it OK just to take plans and, and run with it and kind of skip that step? Or do you think that's an important step?
2: Um, I think that, I think that you can just run with it. I think I, I would, I would totally just build something, you know, there's, there's the side of things where you have to worry about the site, um, and where the house will end up and what are the restrictions for, uh, the, I guess, the dimensions of the house. But if, uh, if, if you're just working with a pre-designed plan, um, there's space just to work with it. I personally love the, from a blank piece of paper to a final constructed house uh, process. I think that's a useful leadership lesson for kids um, just to see nothing turned into something. Um, But you can get that same thing from like getting that pile of lumber and realizing that we're going to make this into a structure that someone lives in.
0: Well, Joe, this is just an awesome project, in my opinion. You guys are, I mean, there's a lesson to be learned in design. There's a lesson to be learned in construction. But then there's just a lesson to be learned in giving back to the community, which I think a lot of people will will get into their 30s and 40s and have never done. And so the fact that you're you're hitting freshmen, uh, you know, upside the head with like, hey, let's do some service for the community. This is this is great.
2: Oh, appreciate it, Nick. Um,
0: are you ready for our pop quiz? Oh, Absolutely. First question, if students could go to school for only one subject, which subject should it be?
2: It's my particular bias, but I think it's design. Uh, from my experience, uh, um, design and design thinking is the most transdisciplinary uh, subject that you can you can hit um, anything from engineering and science to the human-centered and empathy-fueled storytelling portion of it. So I would say design because I mean, maybe this is a non-answer, but it includes it all.
0: You know, and that is an interesting one, and I haven't heard anyone say that, And, and I, but we do often talk on the show about, like, things that a computer can't do, and I don't know that a computer can really ever replace a designer. Like, there's always got to be that person in the middle, and so, I don't know. Right.
2: Someone listening to what a user needs, right. um, and then someone creating something from that. Absolutely. It's one of those robot-proof skills. Exactly.
0: Um, what are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching?
2: You know, I can only speak from my own experiences, but what I'm not always teaching as much as I want to be is the togetherness of school. And I try to surface that with my students, but I never feel right doing it. Like, what is the work that we're doing together? What is my purpose in this group? How can I accentuate that purpose within a group? Like, I wanna surface that with my students to make them feel like they're always making an impact, whether it's building a tiny home for people experiencing homelessness or just collaborating with others. What does every child deserve? Love. Like, every child deserves um, someone who cares about them um, outside of their, like, home community and realizes their potential.
0: What's the biggest challenge for today's educators?
2: I think time or our perception of time that we're often um, loaded on with so many demands, it's hard to get to that point to figure out like what's really essential in the work that I'm doing, what's really essential in that paper I'm grading, what's really essential for that experience I'm creating for kids. And so whether that's actually a clock problem or just a perception problem, I find myself like navigating um, both of those potential problems.
0: What's the best gift to give an educator?
2: The best gift to give an educator... Uh, a thank you note. I think just like writing a a narrative about how um, your work as a colleague, your work as a student, um, your work as a parent has impacted uh, them is just amazing.
0: So which teacher changed your life?
2: Um, Shashi Ramakrishna is a teacher I had in I think 10th grade geometry. First day of class, he draws a line on, on the classroom. Um, by writing on one end of the wall and then writing on another end of the wall, he was totally off blackboard, and I was like, "What is this guy doing? Like, we like this isn't these aren't the rules." Right? Um, and he continually um, surprised me in animating my sense for what life in a classroom could be like.
0: It, well, I gotta ask though. So, so, what was the lesson there where he was drawing that long line?
2: I, I you know, for the lesson that I, I remember is that we can break the rules for what like the fourth wall in a classroom can be, um, I'm sure there was some geometric lesson there, but the, the one that I've really taken away is just like, um, things are going to be different here That's and cool. it's going to be exciting for you.
0: And I'm curious to ask this last question, since you do have a, a background in architecture, uh, pen or pencil,
2: uh, pencil to draw pen to write. Um, I feel like if I erase something I'm writing, um, I don't know, I'd rather rewrite it and see the progress, while if I'm drawing something, um, I might want to, depending on the situation, I might just want to erase it and get it right.
0: Again, Joe Romano, we really appreciate you taking the time and and keep up all the great work you guys are doing over there in Washington.
2: All right, right. thanks so much, Nick, it's been a pleasure.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter to search for us by typing in class dismiss. On behalf of Russ with school status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Horton. Go, and I'll talk with you next week.
1: Class dismissed.